0: right, guys, we are back. Um, Let's pray as we uh, get ready to hear God's word this morning. Father God, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word to us this morning. God, I just pray that it would be real alive and that uh, you would prepare our spiritual ears and eyes to see and hear you this morning. We love you and all that you are for us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. I love that uh, Destiny is a church that comes ready to celebrate. Uh, A lot of us have, have seen Jesus not with our eyes, but with our hearts. And a lot of us have come to know his power and have come to know what it means to be brought back to life again. So we come together online today, and this is our day. This is like the Super Bowl today for the church. And we came ready to celebrate Jesus. I can just imagine you guys in your living rooms right now, You are spiking that ball. And I hope you can feel that from where you are watching today. Uh, But I I know we've got people all across the city watching right now. And I know that there are also people all across the faith spectrum that are watching right now. People who have a deep conviction about uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And people with lots of questions about the resurrection of Jesus. And people who maybe went to church somewhere back in time, but maybe something went wrong or they went wrong, and maybe this is the first time that you're kind of checking back into church in a long, long time. And I love today that it's not all about the emotion and the feeling in the room, although I love that. Sometimes I just wish we could just do this all day long. Um, I love Sundays at Destiny. But even if you're not sure what you felt this morning, I have a feeling that some people felt something this morning. People walk into Destiny all the time and say, I don't know what it is, but something is different in this place. And maybe you experienced that even watching online this morning, and I just want you to know that there is something that is different in this place, and it's the presence of God. It's it's the Spirit of God that is in this house, but you don't have to just feel something today. God wants you to think about something today, and I'm so glad that we've got eyewitness accounts of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul, um, uh, who is the, the one who began this whole movement of starting the church after the resurrection, was preaching to a newfound group of believers long after Jesus was raised from the dead, and this is what he said. We find his words recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3, if you want to follow along. Paul writes this, and he says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. But check this out. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. What does that mean? It means that as the gospel was spreading, the gospel of Jesus, the true story of Jesus, as the story of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus was spreading out, Jerusalem and into the known world, it was spreading the story of not a person or, or a few people or even a handful of people. It was spreading on the story of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have seen Jesus alive. And when the church was uh, spreading, they were still alive. So any number of them could have stepped forward and critiqued this message or contested this message, but no, they were stepping forward to say, this is true. I was one of them that saw Jesus when he was alive. And so this story would have never gotten off the ground, were it not for the eyewitnesses who could give us today a sure count of Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. One of those was Matthew, one of the followers and disciples of Jesus. And in chapter 27 of his gospel, he gives an incredible look at the death of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says, beginning in verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So right off the bat today, we see something that's pretty powerful. We're not just flesh and blood, you and me. We are physical and we are spiritual. We have bodies that were given to us at birth, but we also have a spirit that was created um, to communicate and to know the God who made us. You're not just skin and bones. You are spirit and flesh. And God invited us to this Easter celebration today, not to talk about the body, but to talk about also the spirit. And when Jesus cried out, we know that from john's gospel what he cried he he used the word tell us <laughs> to tell it was a word in his day that translates into our English language it is finished um, what was finished Jesus had paid the price for all the sin and all the wrongs of all of us who had gone astray he had done what none of us could do um, he had satisfied a holy God so that he could clear out our guilt and clear our shame and that we have the ability now to stand in the presence of Almighty God like we did this morning and worship him forgiven and free. And the price was paid in full. And he cried out, it is finished. And in that instant that Jesus died, his spirit left his body. And I'm telling you, that was no small deal. Um, Listen to what happened in the nanosecond that the spirit of the son of the living God left his body to descend into the depths of the earth where you and I should have gone. It says in the very next line, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened. So good news if you were buried near where Jesus died because when the son of God died, it was so cataclysmic in the spiritual world that tombs were broken open. And it says here that many bodies of the saints, people who had believed in God, they were raised to life and they came out of the tombs. It wasn't even Easter yet. But the shock wave in the spirit world caused people to come to life. It says on Easter and on resurrection day, it says they went into the holy city and appeared to many. But look at verse 54, something else powerful happened in the moment that Jesus died. It says that when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. In the moment that Jesus died, soldiers which had been dispatched to the tomb with their lives on the line, they got it. And as Jesus cried out, it is finished. They echoed truly, this is the son of God. This isn't an ordinary crucifixion day. We've seen lots of people die, but none like this man. We've seen ordinary criminals come and go, but none like this man. Something different is happening right now. And it is true. This man is Jesus and he is the son of God. Listen, they they didn't even need to wait for an invitation uh, or for the gospel to be preached. They just saw Jesus on the cross and were converted right on the spot. As the blood, of Jesus fell to the ground. Faith rose up in soldiers. that were just there doing their job. And the same people who had nailed him to the cross cried out, truly, this man is the son of God. The cross, its power brought the most unlikely people to life. So don't ever buy into the thought that I'll never be a follower of Jesus. My dad will never get saved. My mom will never get sober. My neighbors never going to trust in the Lord. My classmate, they're never going to believe in God. Don't count anybody out. If the soldiers who killed him gave their lives to him, then God can work a miracle in your life today. And he can work a miracle in anybody's life today. This is the account of the death of Jesus. So when Jesus died, people were putting their faith in him. It follows on in Matthew's eyewitness account of the burial of Jesus and says, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. Joseph was a a part of the ruling religious council, the Sanhedrin. And these were the elite of the elite who made the decision to arrest Jesus and drag him before Pilate. Um, And they accused him of insurrection, of claiming to be God and of heresy. And and they wanted to put Jesus to death. Joseph was among them but dissented in the vote because along the way he had come to believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah. And when Matthew gives us the account, we only see Joseph. But thank goodness we have four gospel writers to help us remember all of the things that happened. So, the question is, well, why does one gospel writer say one thing and another one says another thing? It's the same as your family when they go on vacation like they did last year. And you, you remember the conversations that you're having afterwards and your dad's like, remember going to the Grand Canyon and so-and-so, so it happens. And remember you stumped your toe and blah, 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 blah. And your response is, oh, I totally forgot about that. But that did happen. I remember it now. Because we all see events and remember certain details differently. So even the, the people who are right next to us at the time of the event, And so John tells us that it wasn't just Joseph of Arimathea that took the body of Jesus and put in the tomb, but there was another person along and his name was Nicodemus. And the two of them took down the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a clean linen. And it says in John's account that Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of embalming spices and they together put Joseph, uh, put Jesus, I'm sorry, in Jesus's tomb. And so the eyewitness account says they roll the stone in front of the tomb. And so why, why did John include Nick and Matthew only Joseph? Um, the, part of the reason we think is because John was there the night that Nicodemus came to visit Jesus and to inquire about how he too became a follower of the way. And so in John's gospel in chapter 3, you can read the whole story there. It says Nicodemus came in the night. Um, You know why he came in the night, by the way? Because he didn't want anybody to know that he was real close to putting his faith and trust in the man named Jesus. He had a reputation to defend. And so he had a position among the Sanhedrin. So he came at night probably looking over his shoulder, making his way to Jesus. And he said, I know no one could do the miracles that you do unless God was with him. And so Jesus, his answer and his reply, I believe, is the most important thing any of us can hear today. Jesus just turned immediately and he said to Nicodemus, not hey, it's nice to meet you, or thanks for the compliment. I am doing some amazing things because God is with me. No, he just looked right at Nicodemus, and he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said it a few different ways. He cannot be in the kingdom of God. He cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, he understood right away. I'm I'm in dialogue with a teacher here because Nicodemus was a teacher. And so he played his role and said, well, how can I then, now that I'm a full man, I'm a full grown man, go back into my mother's womb and be born again, that doesn't make sense, teacher. And then Jesus said, exactly. I'm not talking about simply being born of water, I'm talking about being born of the spirit. And so he said what well, we've already been putting forward the day that you and I are more than just what we see. We are spiritual beings and sin ultimately is gonna take our bodies out. But the greater cause today is that sin takes our spirit out. And the scripture says the wages of sin is death, both a physical death at the end of our days. We're going to go into a grave. Somebody's going to wrap our body and put us somewhere in a tomb. But the greater story today is it said not only is sin going to bring us this physical death, but it's bringing us, the scripture says, a spiritual death. And Jesus says there's a remedy for that, Nicodemus, and it's not religion. You've got a lot of that but it's a resurrection that you need. It's not more keeping of the law because that only leads to death. It's a brand new life and that is what you need. You need to be born once of water, but you need to be born again of the spirit. And Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And I believe that wind is blowing in this time right now. I believe there are Nicodemus out there and, and Josephs and soldiers and centurions um, in this gathering right now. And you came to church online this Easter or, or watching uh, on the TV screen, but your eyes are being opened. Whoa, Jesus Christ died so that I could be alive spiritually forever in him. So I'm going to preach just a little bit longer, but not much longer. And at the end, we're going to have a time today for people to put their faith in Jesus as the savior of their life. Every one of us is going to have the opportunity to say yes to the account of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. But I have a feeling that somebody is ready to say yes to Jesus right now. And if we stopped, if I stopped the message right now and said, we're going to pray in anyone who wants to, to put your faith in Jesus, to be forgiven of your sins and to have guilt and shame washed away, to be made brand new on the inside and become a child of God and a follower of Jesus, Um, somebody would make that decision right now and say, I'm ready right now. In fact, I was ready at the second song. I, I believe that as we're seeing in this story, people just don't come to faith all at one time at the end of a sermon when the invitation is given. People came to Jesus when he died. People came to faith as he was moving through the city. Joseph of Arimathea heard something and he came to faith late at night in a meeting, Nicodemus. Came to faith in his story, and I believe somebody's probably coming to faith right now. So I just want you to know, you don't have to wait to the end of the talk to put your faith in Jesus. You might not make it to the end of the talk, so just go ahead and do it right now. And you're like, well, how would I do that? Well, you would just pray right where you're sitting right now and say, "Dear God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to take all of the stuff that I've done in my life, the messes that I've made, and would you come and be my Savior? God, I thank you for what you've done for me on the cross, and I'm giving my life fully to you, everything, all of it. And just say in Jesus name, amen. I want to be a follower of who you are and I want to do it your way. Amen. Which means so be it. And you can just do that right now. You don't, you don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes, but you can if you want to. You just pray right now. And if that's you, go for it. I'm going to go back to preaching. But if you do, let us know because we celebrate with you. Okay. So we've looked at the Jesus, the account of the burial of Jesus, but let's look now at the account of the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew chapter 28 verse 1 says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now we didn't read this verse, but they were watching when Nicodemus and Joseph put Jesus in there, so they know where to go. Verse 2 says, there was a great Earthquake. So there was an earthquake when he died, and, and, then, and this is not a small event, and there's another earthquake now. This is, this is not a quiet celebration. This is not a, oh, isn't that nice? Look at what God is doing. Oh, isn't it wonderful? type of thing. No, this is crazy. This is the ground is shaking. There is commotion. There's a lot of calamity going on because God is changing history and changing eternity, and that doesn't happen quietly and that doesn't happen subtly. That happens shockingly. And so there's an earthquake that happens. Why? This is what it says in scripture. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, why were there guards there? Because we read a few verses before. after the burial, the Jewish leaders got together and they said, "Wait a minute. He said, "On the third day he was going to come back to life. What if his disciples go and steal the body and then concoct a story of resurrection? What if they make it all up?" So they went back to Pilate and they said to him, "We need a guard." Pilate said, "Great idea, take a guard. Possibly four to forty soldiers, depending on uh, which theologian and historians you, you, you read. We don't know exactly how many. But there were Roman soldiers with the authority of Rome in their hands. And there were probably some of the Jewish soldiers who arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane Went as well. And so there's a Roman guard at the tomb and a Jewish guard that's watching the Roman guard while the Roman guard is watching the Jewish guard so that everybody's looking over everybody's shoulders to make sure that nothing funny happens here. They were trying to make sure that a story of resurrection doesn't happen. That's what they were there for. In fact, Pilate, he said it this way, make it as secure as you know how. And so the text says right before Resurrection Sunday that a guard was posted there and a seal... The seal of Rome was placed on the tomb. So there's all of that horsepower. These are heavy hitters, people. These these are these are these are not some extras, you know, in soldier costumes at the Easter play. This is, these are like Navy seals, okay? And and so an angel appears and it says they are shaking in their boots. They fell over left and right like they're dead. They're pretending to be dead. The ground is shaking. The sky is lit up. Everything is moving because God is working. And the angel now looks at Mary Magdalene, another Mary, and he says to them, don't be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Oh, don't worry about all the soldiers that have fallen out and the earthquake and all the commotion and the fact that I look like lightning. Do not be afraid, is what it says, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified he is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Don't you just love it? Jesus didn't move a stone. You know, he didn't need to. He could you know, s- split rocks on crucifixion day. God did that. Jesus can walk through them on resurrection day. The angel didn't come to let Jesus out of the tomb. The angel came to move the stone to let you into the tomb to see what God had already done. <laughs> the tomb is open for you to come and see the account that Jesus has risen from the dead but I want you to notice something today while god was raising his son from the dead people were in full management mode inside the tomb god is doing what only god can do but outside of the tomb right up until the very last second everybody is coming up with a plan first it's the religious leaders you know we need to guard the tomb we need to make sure that you know nothing happens they don't steal the body Roman soldiers they were putting a seal on it and they're you know They're saying nobody's going to get near that seal because they know if they do, they'll die if they even touch it. That's a powerful thing, just having that seal on there. On the outside, man was trying to control the story and control the narrative. But on the inside of the tomb, God is writing a brand new narrative of how life is going to be for all the people who put their faith in him on the outside of the tomb. All of the authorities are exerting their power, but they didn't know that on the inside of the tomb... Almighty God was exerting His power, and they were all circling around the tomb to control the situation. But the miracle wasn't happening outside of the tomb, the miracle was happening inside the tomb where God was raising His Son from the dead. He wasn't worried about people stealing the body, He was going to trump that times 1,000 by raising the body and letting Jesus walk around in plain daylight for a few weeks so that hundreds of people could see the scars in His hands and in His feet. And here here they were even in the middle of a resurrection, still trying to control the outcome. It says Mary left to go get the disciples. Um, and Matthew continues and says that some of the Jewish soldiers went back to the Jewish leaders and said, You know, you're not going to believe this. There was an earthquake, an angel that looked like lightning, and it just shoved aside that huge stone like it was a marshmallow. And Jesus wasn't even in there. The seal was broken, and we were there. So, what are we going to do? And the leaders, they, they, they met and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a story that you fell asleep in the night, the soldiers, you guys fell asleep in the night, and the disciples came and they stole the body. But the thing is, they didn't have a body. So they needed a story to cover that story. And their story was the soldiers fell asleep and they came back and they took the body in sight. Now that would require that the soldiers would be put to death if this was true. So they went on to say, well, we're going to go and pay off the authorities with a bribe so that they'll let you live. And so God was raising his son from the dead and they were committed to a robbery story. And God said, there's been a robbery all right. We robbed hell. That's what we robbed. We robbed death. That's what we robbed. We robbed the grave We robbed the penalty of all the wrong and the sin of all of humanity. Guess what we robbed? We robbed darkness last night. That's what we robbed. And you know, what's funny about that is that it's easy for me to look at at that and say, you know, what what small-minded people, right? But then I think about me. And I think about how while God is offering a miracle called resurrection how many times you and I we get stuck in religion by thinking that if we just modify our lives from the outside we can change things on the inside but it doesn't work and God's just trying to say today to somebody in this gathering I want to change you from the inside out I don't need you to turn over a new leaf I don't get a new philosophy or a new view on life. I don't need you to go to a new meditation group or a yoga class or try to do some good deeds or change your behavior or manage your addiction or dump your boyfriend. I don't need you to make modifications. All of that is like putting layers of paint on a rock. I want to do a miracle on the inside of you. Ezekiel the prophet had foretold it and he said, I I love this. I love this verse. He said that God would take out our hearts of stone and put in hearts of flesh. And in Jesus, this is how. By putting God in flesh inside a rock tomb, God could take hearts That are like rock and replace them with hearts like flesh. It's being born again, a spiritual birth on the inside. Now, I try to do my part in our society by by serving and giving what I can. I'm an organ donor. I donate blood. And it doesn't take much to do those things. And I'm 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 not a doctor, nor do I have much medical knowledge. But what doctors are able to do just amazes me. And just as a side note, can we just arousing, Thank you to the medical professionals who are working on the front lines of the pandemic here and all over the world. Our city has already opened up and began preparing other facilities and spaces to try to make room to care for those that need it. And they are calling for nurses to come out of retirement to relieve those that are weary. And we have some in our very own church family that are considering to do that right now. And they're putting their lives out there for us every day. So thank you so much. Um, So I don't know if you've ever considered or had the opportunity to to watch a heart transplant. Um, It really is a miracle of modern medicine. And I know some of you are like, please don't talk about blood or surgery if that's where you're going. That's where I'm going. So just give me a few minutes. I'll try not to give too many details. But I, I found myself watching a heart transplant procedure. I think it was from somebody's social media post, and I clicked over. And um, when I did, this, it was this 360 view kind of experience thing. And there was a guy on the operating table, and their chest is open really big. And you can see their heart. I mean, th- there was this team that came in, and they disconnected this person's heart, and they put it in a bowl. I mean, the, the valves were closed off, and, and the, the, the person's blood was circulating out, and there, there, were, there were tubes all around on the floor, and I'm sitting there, and as I'm watching this on the screen, I sat there barely breathing. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i about to lose my lunch. This guy's on the operating table, and his chest is open. It's really big, and I'm watching this, and you see through these tubes that are going around on the floor and into the machine that was somehow oxygenating the blood and sending it back into his body so that the person could stay alive while they had no heart in their body, and their chest. And so it seemed like it was about 10 minutes that went by with, his, with the blood flowing this way through this machine. And then a team rushed in. It was about four or five doctors and assistants and who, who knows what kind of positions they all had. And one of them was carrying another bowl with a towel over it. And they set it on a table and they began to, to look and work inside the person's chest. And at some point, a moment or two later, the towel was moved and in the bowl was another heart sitting on ice. And it was kind of this reddish gray, had this kind of grayish look to it. And immediately the pastor in me thought somebody's generosity and death was going to provide a way for someone else to live. And, and the doctors worked and they worked and the speed in which they were working and the precision at which they were working um, together was astounding. And eventually the heart was placed inside of that person's chest. And it seemed like so many hands were kind of at work delicately and quick, um, kind of quickly suturing all these arteries back into the heart. And once all that seemed to be good, the clamps were removed, and the machine ceased to do what it was doing. And the blood was moving into the heart. And somehow it was like this miracle moment for me. And nobody else was applauding, but I was like still like losing my breath. Somehow, miraculously, a second or two in the process, the heart began to beat in this person's chest. It 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 wasn't beating in the bowl of ice. But now it was beating in this person's chest. And no longer was it reddish gray. Quickly, within seconds, less than a minute, it turns this vibrant pink and alive and whole again and they just stood back and they just kind of watched as this happened and they look and it's like they're taking notes on their on their little charts that they have that's like they're looking for uh, any leaks or anything that 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 might need to be adjusted and they all just stood for it seemed like I mean to me it seemed like an hour (laughs) and they're watching and they just watched this heartbeat and you could see all of the flesh around the person's body sort of brighten up and come to life. And this is what God has on the table today. Death has been defeated, but Jesus is alive. And Jesus can take out parts that are dead because of sin and put in brand new hearts that are alive by his spirit. To be born in water and born of the spirit, this is how you enter into the kingdom of God. To not just be alive in the flesh, the flesh praise God, but like we all of our today, but to be alive in the spirit. Not trying to modify things with more behavioral changes on the outside, but letting God do a transplant of our hearts and life through Jesus on the inside. This is what's on the table today. There is a beating, living, victorious, eternal heartbeat in the chest of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And he puts that heartbeat into the spirit of every single person who puts their trust and their faith in him. Come on, church, there's something to celebrate in that right there. Our Lord came back from the dead to bring us back from the dead. He came out of the grave to raise us out of the grave. He is alive so that we can be alive. And if he lives forever, we can know that we will never die. That night, Jesus said to Nicodemus at the end of their little exchange, probably the most broadcast verse of all time, When their conversation came to a resting place, Jesus said these words, For God so loved the world, Nicodemus. I hope you hear it afresh today when Jesus said it to the guy who came in the night to say, I just need to know, is it true? Are you the one? And Jesus responded and he said, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever put their faith in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world that the world might live through him. Pastor Deanna.
1: We want to take some time to invite you, if you have not ever made Jesus your Lord and Savior of your heart, if you would like to do that today, we'd like to help walk you through that. Um, If you feel kind of a tugging on your heart, um, just a a questioning about it, here's the opportunity to do it. So we'd like to invite you to pray this prayer with us. Um, If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, into your life. You can pray this prayer with me right now. If you want to close your eyes, have a private moment. Um, For those of you out there who already know Jesus as your Lord, if you would be praying right now for those who don't, um, that they would be able to walk through this decision and have a life-changing decision in Christ. Lord Jesus, I want to experience your mercy today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and I'm inviting you to be mine right now. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Live in me as my leader and Savior from now on. I believe you are a God who is rich in mercy. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for your promise. We thank you that you don't want us to live in despair. You want us to know you to have that life abundant in you. And we thank you, Jesus, for helping us to become new creations in you, in your holy name.
0: Amen. Can we just take a moment and celebrate those that have said yes to Jesus for the first time? Amen. Hey, we we celebrate all that Jesus... Um, is doing today and all that he's going to do um, because he is the resurrected um, Lord of our life. And, and, and we say this this morning, our lives are yours, God. We surrender to what you have for us, God. And so we look to the future knowing we have a sure foundation because you are a sure foundation, God, and you never change yesterday, um, today and going forward. God, we love you. We say thank you to, to all that you've done for us. Thank you for raising us up out of the grave. In your mighty name, amen Amen. Amen. and amen. Bless you. Thank thank you you for being with us today.